You're listening to the Tree of Life podcast, where we desire to be a bridge between the two covenantal peoples, physical Israel and spiritual Israel, by inspiring the non-Jewish part of Messiah's body to reconnect with its Jewish roots through biblical teaching and worshipful demonstrations, and to work towards greater understanding and reconciliation between Messiah's body and traditional Judaism. And now, here's Rabbi Joel Lieberman. Is going to bring some hope from the Word of God. Would you uh, stand and give a warm tree of life welcome to one of our own, Reverend Earl Clampett? Come on, Earl. Thank you, bro. God bless you. I have not seen a lot of people since uh, Hanukkah, so I thought, can I say Shana? Tovar, Gregorian Shana Tovar, okay, so how, how is everybody today? Praise God, all right, well, I was on the phone yesterday with David Berger, and uh, he was saying, how do we do these slides, and so we're going we're gonna to see how our conversation went today, <laughs> so... So uh, we're going to use the old John Neal uh, PowerPoint again. Um, this is going to be a continuation of um, some of the things that we've been talking about, authority and how that leads to power. But that <clears throat> has to happen through a channel called um, obedience. So um, let's just pray, ask the Lord to help us with this message <clears throat> Hallelujah, Father, we're so grateful for another day, and our days are numbered, our breasts are numbered, but Lord, we are here at your will and your good pleasure, and we ask right now that you would come right now and help us with your inspiration from your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the atoning death of your Son, which brings us into your presence, Father, and we ask for your presence. We felt your presence today in the worship. It was wonderful. And we ask that you would remain with us now. We would ask that you would stay with us now in this place at this time and fill us as your dwelling places. We ask these things in your son's holy name, Father. And everyone said, amen. Glory. Okay. Well, um, we're going to put up the chart and, um, Let's take a look at it and see if we can do, uh, there it is. Okay, everyone see that? So that's what we're going to be kind of talking about again today, but we really didn't get to spend a lot of time on the power part of that. So let me just tell you why I think we're spending so much time in this. Um, I'm of the belief, and I'm not quite sure what you call it, But I think there's going to be a um, third great awakening, if you will. Um, There's going to be something about end-time witness. It depends on what you call it. But I think there's going to be um, a real unique, um, one-of-a-kind presentation to the world. And presentation of what is life. And that's our job. 
our job is to impart that. Our job is to share that. Um, one of the things that I wanted to, let's just go real quick to the Genesis 1 and 2. Uh, these are called design protocols. That's a big word. But basically, it's saying this is God's original design for, for us. And if we can keep these designs in mind as we travel, if with these different concepts, these different ideas, always go back to what the design protocols were. What did God have in mind? What was he setting up? What was he creating? So let's take a look at Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Now listen, pay attention to these words because these are important. <clears throat> then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on earth. By the way, who's he talking to? He's, saying, he's talking to human beings. He's talking to us. I'm amazed in Gentile land that they never talk about this is our inheritance. You're sitting on it or stepping on it right now. We are part of a loving family. And who gives inheritances? Fathers give inheritances. If you're writing a will or a trust, okay, your older brother doesn't write that. Your nurturer doesn't write that. Your fathers give you your inheritances. And, and he's trying to say that I'm giving you virtual, complete authority to run this place, not fallen angels. Okay? Satan had a better idea, so he thought. But this is, this is basically a proclamation saying, no Hasatan, no Satan, my children are designed and prepared and fabricated and made to run this place. Now, we've got to wrap our minds around that because, you know, whether you're, whether you're Jewish or, or Gentile, we, we, Gentile thought, Greek thought has penetrated, you know, the, the, Gentile, the Jewish, unfortunately, to a, to a large degree. And we're all thinking about this whole journey is about transportation from point A to point B. And it isn't. It's a journey about relationship and bringing you home, bringing you back. That's what, is it teshuva? Am I saying that right? It's, it's, it's returning. It's coming back home. What was Luke 15 about? The prodigal son. Who's waiting for the prodigal son when he realizes he's in, the, he's in with the pigs and he's thinking, the pigs are eating better than I am. Maybe I made a mistake by leaving home, by blowing off father, by squandering my inheritance, by walking off. And who's, who's there waiting to greet him when he finally returns? Open arms. That's the biblical account. That's it. 
We have a ruptured family relationship and he's bringing us all home. Aliyah, come back. Return. Come back. You're not going to believe what I still have in store for you. And it was from the beginning. So let's take a look at what, what he planned. So you run the place. That's verse 26, 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. <clears throat> he said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over everything. We're not going to go over all, that, all the everythings. And then verse 29, see, I've given you every herb, etc. We can't go through that. Go back to verse 26, though, for a moment, if you will, David. Go back to verse 26. He said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Okay, those are the protocols I want to talk about a little bit before we get going. This is a little bit of review, but we talked about this the last time. If you, if you want to get more details, go back to October when I taught this, and I think there's even earlier in August, okay? And that's on your YouTube page for Tree of Life. But <clears throat> what we're doing when we're saying make God, make us in God's likeness is we're basically coming over here and saying, okay, we're standing here and we're waiting for a vertical experience vertical down from up down to us okay and we are receptacles we are open and saying lord indwell fill me come inside see the issue is in the beginning who will be king Let me say it again. The issue from the very beginning is always, and it continues, will always in the future, will, here's the question, here's the issue. Who will be king? Now, Adam and Eve answered that question. They did. Because the alternatives were two. God will be king. Or man will be king. Adam and Eve answered the question, didn't they? What did they say? Man. And we have reaped the consequences of that decision ever since. Kaplui. Everything's going great in Genesis 1, Genesis 2, and then by the time you get to the third chapter, it all blows up because Adam and Eve said man instead of God. All right? So God wants to do a download of himself to bring his likeness into us. Jesus had two titles. Yeshua had two titles. He, had, he was the son of God, right? He's very God of very God, but he's also something else. He was very man of very man. He also, and he used this title, often was son of man. Why was that important? I think that was messaging that Yeshua was saying to the fallen angels about this original plan of likeness coming down first. He was telling the fallen angels, my father wants man to run this inheritance of earth, not you. Isn't it interesting? He uses the title of son of man, he himself, way more than son of God. Why is that? Is that just coincidence? 
Was that just something he did? He was trying to send a message to the ange fallen angelic competitors of who will run this place. He says, I am the son of man, and authority has been given to man to run this place. So we do a vertical first, and we say, give us your likeness. And then as God indwells and fills us, and that, by the way, that's the whole New Testament. I don't care whether you're talking about John 14, John 15, John 16, John 17, which we're going to take a look at later on. But it's all about God in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. What's the prayer that Jesus says in, right before the night before he dies in John 17? Father, I in you, you in me, we in them, them in us, so the world may believe. You want a prop? Got to have a prop. Always have to have a prop. This is John 17, 21 through 23. Father, top circle. Yeshua, middle circle. I and you, Father. This is now this is the likeness coming into us. Everybody tracking here. I in you, Father, you in me. Concentric circles, right? And the third one's larger, isn't it? See the third circle? And we in them, because it's bigger. It's y'all sons and daughters of the family. You're part of a family. I want my sons and daughters to run this place, but they got to have my likeness first. Because nothing works without the presence of God. Nothing, I'll say it again. Nothing works without the presence of God. That's why this likeness thing has to be experienced First, okay, download first, all right, now what purpose was this, I and you, Father, you and me, and we and them, so that the, what, world, see all these guys down below here, see all these little key clicks, so that the world may know that you have sent me, there it is. That's it. You know how I found this? By accident. I was looking for some keys. <laughs> you know? And so I said, huh, this looks like John 17. It is John 17. 21 and 23. Isn't that cool? Okay, so that's the likeness part. All right. Now, what about the image part? So the vertical experience of likeness just happened because you invited God to come in and you said, hey, I want you, I'm not just going to indwell you, I want you to indwell me. This is mutual. It's relational. Eternal life is relational. That's why this whole Judeo-Christian experience is not transportation from point A to point B. Can we please stop preaching that gospel? It is not accurate. It's relational. Okay? It's this. It's relational. The goal is getting back to our Father. We lost, who did we lose in the garden? Did you lose heaven in the garden? Dude, heaven was here because the presence of God was here. We had everything. 
What more did they lack? What more could you want? Oh, I want to get out of this human body and go be perfected in a Greek-like way up into the ethos, into the ethereal? That's Greek thinking. Stop it. Okay? This message is Hebrew. Okay? It's a circle, folks. It's not a straight-line Greek thought. Okay? So it's relational. And relational means just what it says. Now, he says, Father says, I want also to create humans, children in my image. That's the second part. So the first part is vertical, from God down to us. But part two is part of the design protocol. This is the reason he made us. We have to go sideways into the horizontal world because we have a vocation, we have a calling, we have a job to do in this sharing of life. And it's called taking my image wherever you go. The kingdom isn't stagnant. It is ambulatory. It moves. It's dynamic. It travels. It doesn't just come to church on Sunday or Shabbat congregation on Saturday. It moves with you. You take it with you. And you are an ambassador with credentials. Okay? I showed you my badge last time. I'm going to do it again. But the badge is what you take with you. Because somebody says, well, who do you represent? Well, you got that's the image part. I am a son of the most high God who has given me. Can you go to the chart, please? Who has given me as a son of the most high God this thing called authority, kingdom, authority. I bring it with me. Whoa. I wasn't expecting that on New Year's. Well, Happy New Year. God's turning a page. Let's go to, what, what happens if we walk and talk and act and implement and carry out the imaging part of this horizontally, which is bringing the kingdom to people who don't have a relationship yet with God, with Yahweh, with Yeshua, with the Ruach HaKodesh. They don't know God yet. But who's going to introduce them if we don't it reflect the image? It's a reflection, if you will. It's a representation. How about that? Think of the word represent. Take it apart. You're representing something. Represent. Authority. Represent. Leave that up there, please, guys. That authority chart. You are representing what God did to you when he did that likeness download vertically. Where you're going to say, I'm indwelling in God, God's indwelling in me. I tell you what, that experience is transformational. It's not transportational. It's not about moving from one place to the other. It's transforming us into the likeness and image of God so that we can go out 
and do the same and replicate that over and over and over and over and over. And that's 24-7. Okay? This is not, oh, I'm going to, you know, smile at somebody when I'm ordering a, a hamburger after Shabbat, you know, and share. No, this is when you go to work Monday morning. This is when you come home. You know, and you're thinking, do I, I'm mad because of what happened in the job today. Are you going to kick the dog when you get home? No, leave the dog alone. <laughs> you know, bring the kingdom with you. Okay, even though you don't feel like it, you know, hug your wife, hug your husband and say, I had a terrible day, but you know what? God's bigger than all of this. Right? Okay. And I learned a few lessons that I won't repeat. All right. So authority is legal permission. Authority is your badge. You take it with you. Okay. Now, sometimes in the fallen human condition, when you give people badges or credentials or ambassador sort of, um, what's the word I want? Recognition papers, who you work for, it goes to their head. Why? Because the purpose of, of having the power to run this earth was given to man. And if God's not involved in it, things can go haywire pretty fast. Things can go haywire pretty fast. And this is what I wanted to talk about today. I want to talk about, it is so important. We want to, for example, not just have the badge when we run this place. What's also required? We want to have the power on the end to be able to say, I've checked with God on what his will is. I'm going to actually pray it into effect. What? I'm going to say that again. I have checked with God, authority, gone to God and said, do you want this done? I'm checking you with you ahead of time. Should I say this to this person at this time? That's pretty micro. But these micro moments begin to accumulate. And we've talked about that, taking every thought captive under the obedience of Christ, right? Right? Pray before, before you speak. How about saying a prayer? I'm mad. I want to tell that person, give them a piece of my mind. And, and the Lord says, uh, can you check with me first? Remember the likeness download? I'm indwelling you. Okay. But I'm king, not you. Remember the issue? The issue is who is king in our everyday moment? Who runs this show? Who's running the show? Who's on the throne? Man or our creator? All right. So when we get the authority to do things, and why am I talking about this? Because there's going to be a movement in the end times that is going to blow everybody's mind. Because the miraculous is going to be available. We're going to see things that are supernatural. It's going to be commonplace. But the problem is, we can get very religious. We can. Okay? We want the power, but we don't want the permission that goes to get that power. We want to take shortcuts. And the whole Bible is full of that. 
of people taking shortcuts. And when we take shortcuts, we've just lost the whole point because we've left the presence of God out of the equation. We've got to go to ask him first. And as we do that, guess what? God's going to get, if, it's, if his will's in it, that's, you know, talk First John and Second John, Third John, talk about, the, you know, is, is God in this? Is, is God with you in what you're doing? You better find out first. But if he is, then as we go to this authority, we show up at the top line that says obedience. That's the bridge to get to the power. If you know that you know that you know that you know because you've checked and you've rechecked and you've triple checked, God wants this done, you're going to have a different approach, a different attitude when you show up to carry it out. I'm thinking of the example when Lazarus was raised by Yeshua. And the fact that he was sick was brought to, to him ahead of time. And they said, Lazarus is ill. Can you come? Quick. But he waits. Didn't come right away. Now, I'll bet you anything, he's going to the Father and saying, what do you want done in this situation? He had done, this is towards the end of his ministry, he had done all kinds of miracles about healing the sick, the lame. He had done amazing things. But this one was different. He takes his time and he says, I'm not coming yet. Well, you know the story. When he finally does show up, he's told, if you had come earlier, he'd be alive today. He's dead because you didn't show up. And he's praying to the Father the whole time. Because he says, what you're going to see is going to bring, is designed to bring glory in a kingdom sense to my Father. Where I'm going with this is this. I mean, he was emotional because, you know, he was upset that Lazarus had passed away, so he's showing his humanness there. But when he finally executes the Father's will, and something down here, that top line, is going to become apparent. And what does Yeshua say outside that tomb? After they rolled it back. Now picture this. They said don't roll back the rock. I mean he's been dead four days. It's going to stink. Okay. So this is really dramatic. This isn't saying. Oh you know I, I got an owie. And I need you to you know fix it. And, and you know he fixes it. This is like the guy's dead four days. How did he. Did he say oh God raised Lazarus. Ra Father. Did he say raised Lazarus. He said, yeah, three words. Three words. But can you hear him saying this? Listen to this. It's going to have authority in the voice because he's checked with the father on the top line of obedience. He says, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to go right now? I can heal him right now. And he, for whatever reason, he was held back because there was something bigger at hand, which was the will of the father to blow everybody's mind. This is really on a different scale. And that's what I'm trying to say, that what's coming is going to be a different scale of what, we're, of what we've experienced. And we've got to make sure we understand the protocols of how to do it right to make sure 
that the enemy doesn't have an in, inroads with us. So listen to the words. Lazarus, come forth. Now, was he imploring God to do something at that moment? No. Was he the son of man in that moment, or was he the son of God? Because a lot of times we'll say, oh, he's the son of God. He can do anything. We can't do that stuff. Well, well, who was complete authority given to in Genesis 1.26? Us. But we don't believe it. We don't walk in it. Because we're saying, that was for then. And of course, it was Yeshua. He was the son of God. But he did most of this stuff as the son of man. And God's saying, it's time to grow up, get out of your diapers, put on your big boy pants, okay? And let's get serious. We, Rabbi Joel said this, he's talking about a battleship. This isn't a cruise. All hands on deck. What does that mean? Rabbi Joel is not supposed to be the paid help who does it all. It's not his job. This is kingdom. All right? We Listen, you have oikoses. You have circles of influence. Rabbi Joel is probably not going to meet your neighbor you know, five blocks away, you know, down the street from you that you know. It isn't going to happen. But you know that person. And are you the person for that time who's designated to say or do the particular thing that's going to be, hey, I've given you the badge, now I'm going to give you the power. Will you obey me? That means i gotta, I got to ask first. Yes, you do. What if he doesn't ask me right away? Then wait and ask again until you do hear. Maybe God's trying to develop a keener sense of hearing. Maybe God's trying to work on more frequency as far as communication. Why? What did we sing today? What, did, what was April thing? Our every breath. Our every breath is you. Okay, speaking of that. So let's go to John 17, 3. I wanted to find a word for you. This is the whole point. Somebody says, what's the, what's the point, what's the goal of this Judeo-Christian journey, just Judeo-Christian walk? I, I will just say it up front. I am not anti-heaven. I love heaven. When I die, I want to go to heaven. Okay? So let's get that right up front. Is heaven the goal of the, of the Judeo-Christian journey? No! It is not. That's Greek thinking. That's Plato's stuff. That's Socrates' stuff. That's Aristotle's stuff. Stop it. This book is not Greek thinking. It's Middle Eastern. It's Hebrew. The goal... What was it? Um, in Deuteronomy, the Sayonara chapter, I call it. As Moses is saying, okay, I'm not going over with you guys. But he, he, he basically tells them, hey, I'm putting before you 
life and death. And so let's define life. John 17, 3, you guys got that? It's interesting, okay. And this is eternal life, that you may die and go to heaven, uh, play a harp in the clouds, eat ice cream while you're looking down, and say, man, am I glad I'm off of that rotten, stinking place called earth. <laughs> Wash my hands of that place. That's Greek thinking. I was raised Catholic, I'm, I'm, you know, okay, 16 years of former Catholic education. I've been 44 years a Protestant. I get this Greek stuff, okay? I understand this stuff, okay? That's not what life is. It's not transportational. It's relational. Say, let me say that again. <laughs> Eternal life is not transportational. It's relational. That blows up the paradigm. It blows it up, it, and it's about time. It's just time. Thank God he's showing us. So John 17, 3, and this is eternal life. Why don't you read it together? That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. If that's true, when, when, listen, when does eternal life start? Okay? Boy, when I get to the sweet by and by, I'll have eternal life. Stop it. You're not Greeks. Stop it. We're commonwealth of Israel, including the Gentiles. We're commonwealth of Israel. We're going to start thinking differently. But why don't we just go back to the word? How about that for a start? Okay? All right. But whoa, whoa, whoa. Know about God? Know about God? Oh, I know about God. Yeah, I went to, uh, you know... Uh, four square, whatever I was, <laughs> whatever I graduated. I went, okay, I went to seminary. Yeah, whoa, boy, I know all about God, okay? It's head knowledge. Does it, is that referring to this, or is it referring to another part of the body? Heart knowledge. Do you trust him? I love what David Stern did to the CJB. When you go through and you compare, most of the time when the word faith shows up, he doesn't write faith. He writes another word. What is it? trust because it's relational it brings this relational thing to to, to bear okay okay um john twelve fifty. can we go to that one john twelve fifty, guys Ooh, the people who want a free ride are not gonna like this one i can know god but i didn't understand this part of it why'd you have to throw that in Okay? And I know that his command is everlasting life. Ooh. I was taught that obeying God was just re dead religious works. No. This is Jesus. This is Yeshua. And he's saying, and I know that his command, talking about the Father, is what? Everlasting life. Can we go back to the chart in a minute? Just go back to the chart real quick. Obedience is the key to figure out whether you're experiencing life or not. Why? God's telling you all the time. He's communicating all the time. He says, Earl, I don't want you to do it that way. Why? 
Calm down. Okay, that's the old nature. Sorry. Because I love you. You think I'm giving you these commands because I just want to rain on your parade and ruin your life? No. These are safety rules so that you don't end up in a worse situation. You want to keep your family together during COVID? Well, maybe you ought to just speak when I tell you to speak. How about maybe wait for their hearts and minds to be prepared because you prayed ahead of time that there's soft soil there. Right? Satan's all about division. Division, division, division. Let's divide upon, let's divide based on the races. Let's divide based on the ethnicities. Let's divide, divide based on the economics. Let's divide based on the disease, even in families. It's critical to say, your command is life. It's not pharisaic, pharisaical, okay? Dead religious works. I actually went to a church and I heard that preached. I'm not kidding. I was invited by my cousin and I'm sitting there and it was on um, about four or five years ago during the Super Bowl Sunday. And everyone wanted to go to see the Super Bowl, okay? So he went, he went hurry up, get, get this over with, this church stuff, right? And, he act, and the minister actually said, thank God for good old Jesus, because if it weren't for him, I have to obey God. I heard it. I'm in a school, and it's a rented school, right? I mean, and so there's fold-up chairs. And I'm waiting for the people to, to throw the fold-up chairs towards the stage, you know, or have some tomatoes or something you can throw, right? And it looked like the Wailing Wall. Yep. Isn't that great? Good old Jesus. Other, if it weren't for him, we'd have to obey God. That's where the church is. I'm not saying all, but I heard it, and it was a big group, and it was a break off from another big church. There were 350 people that day. And I came out shell-shocked, and I'm going, we're a mess. We're a bloody mess. Okay, go to the next one, John 10.10. Here's another definition of life. Does not involve a cloud. Does not involve a harp. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. Boy, is that true today or what? Is that evident everywhere you look? Well, let's not give them the opportunity. How about we cut them off at the knees? I have come that they may have life and have it what? Yeah. That means... If you're a receptacle and you're standing here waiting for the likeness part of God to come in, you decide when the spigot gets shut on or shut off. I just want to be alone with my thoughts. Really? God says, why don't you invite me to your party? Invite me to your thought party. Maybe I'll have a few things to say about which, whether we should examine some of those thoughts. You know, how about taking every thought captive unto the what of Christ? Obedience of Christ. I like what Stern says in the CJB. He says, to make it obey Yeshua. Your thoughts. Make it obey. What, you, what are you doing? Could you put the, the chart up again, guys, please? What are you doing when you make it obey? Well, there it is. 
You're taking back the authority that God first gave you when he said, I want to make you in my likeness and in my image. Now go reflect that image. Well, guess what? When we came to know the Lord, oh, Jesus gave me his life and I want to give him my life. Great. Awesome. Altar call. Big moment. Maybe it's at the Petco Stadium you know, with Billy Graham. They're all down in the field. And I'd love to ask him and say, uh, guys, do you know, excuse me, do you know that includes your thought life? Does it includes your thought life. Carolyn Leaf says 30,000 thoughts a day on average during your 16-hour awake cycle. 30,000 thoughts. Are you going to give them those two? Or is this a wraparound? Ooh, no, not those. I can give you those. That's me. Well, well, you know, we know that's the old you. Supposedly it's the old you. Hopefully it's old you. So, that, so I'm not going to go into all that. Take thought every, every thought captive. You guys go back in October. We had the remote control. We told you how to push the pause button. Check that out. We don't have time. Okay. So do we want life? We're going to run through these quickly. These are Deuteronomy uh, 8, 1, and 2. Every command which I command you today must be, you must be careful to observe that you may live, that you may what? Wait, wait, wait. That you may what? Remember what Jesus said in John 12, 50? The command of my Father is what? Begins with an L. Life. Jesus was saying what the Torah says. He said, hey, I've, I haven't come to do away with the law and the prophets. I've come to fulfill the law and the prophets. You're looking at the law. You're looking at the word. Doesn't it say that in the beginning of John? In the beginning, you know, in the, in the beginning was the word, and the word was made flesh, right? And then you skip to verse 14, and then the word dwelt amongst us. Well, what did Jesus say? If you love, in John 14, if you love me, keep my commandments. But in another two verses down, one verse down, he says, if you love me, Relational, prove it. Keep my, what's word? Okay, I'm a retired judge. You want to make a case in front of me? You come into my hearing room, you have to have evidence. Jesus is a priest. He's a king. Right? Fusion of the two. But he's also a judge. And he wants to see evidence. Talk's cheap. Words are cheap. Do what I say is the measuring rod. I wish I didn't bring my prop bag today. Picture a uh, measuring tape. You know the ones you buy at Home Depot? Okay, it's a, it's a measuring rod of the quality of your relationship. I'll say it again. Obedience. Whether you're obeying his commands or not. Whether you're talking to him, asking him. It's a measuring rod of the quality of relationship of that whole vertical thing that we talked about. Ooh. Yeah. It's relational. I have um, been finding some long COVID symptoms, one of which is insomnia. And last night, I woke up at 1.30 and I was like, I've got to preach tomorrow. Now, what did the enemy tell me? You have a prescription. 
that the doctor gave you for sleep. And it's only 1.30, and you can just tippy-toe over into your medicine cabinet and take one of those, and you'll be out like a light. Okay? And I went to God, and guess what he said? Who do you trust? Now, my old nature wanted to say, but God, don't you know? Jesus, don't you? Yes, he knows. He knows. He doesn't need you to tell him. He asks you the question, who do you trust? Okay, who's king? Who is king? God or man? All right. Um, so let's go to verse 2 in that and multiply. Go and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. Go down to 8-2, please. By the way, you notice it's possessing land. What's your inheritance? What did we say this earlier? It's the earth. We have to possess the land. I just want to side rabbit trail real quick. We had a Native American uh, group that came, Christians, who were praying. And it was the night that, like October 1 or 2, where we had 524 lightning strikes that night in the county of San Diego. Well, I was up in Vista, and we were outdoors at an outdoor church, and we're going, gulp. Because there's lots of thunder and lots of lightning. And this Native American chief comes up and he goes, it's time we take back the land. And the minute he said the word L-A-N-D, the lightning it lit up like noon. And there was a thunder, like normally there's a separation between thunder and lightning, right? Yeah, well, this was simultaneous. And it was a kaboom. And I looked at, looked at Velma and I said, I think God's trying to communicate something. These guys, these Native Americans get this stuff about taking the land back. Okay? They get it. They understand it. Okay, what's it say in verse 2? Deuteronomy 8.2. He's going to take us out. And you will remember the Lord, your God. He led you all the way for these 40 years into the wilderness. Why? Why? Why, did he, why, why does he have you out in this wilderness? Why does he have you out here? To what? To humble you and to what? And to test you and know what's in your brain, in your mind. No, in your heart. It's a heart issue. Relational. Remember we said it isn't, oh, I believe about God. It's I know God. He talks to me. He spends time with me. I spend time with him. We actually enjoy hanging out. It's kind of fun. You know, try, we should try it some more. Okay, but that's why he brings you out into these situations. They say, you know, when it gets rough, you're going to want to do stuff. I'm hurting. I'm thirsty. I'm tired. I'm, you know, hungry. I'm whatever. And it's what's in your heart. Do you understand what, what, you know, who do you trust? Who do you trust? Who's king? All right, let's go to the next one. Uh, Deuteronomy 11, 8. And here's the question. All of these answer the question, do you want life? Okay? Understand this. All of these verses answer the question, do you want life? All right. 11.8. Deuteronomy 11.8. Therefore, you shall keep every commandment which I command you today, that you may be weak. You may be flaccid. No. Strong. And go in and possess the land which you cross over to possess. You want to know why Satan's acting up? the way he is in these COVID days and all this stuff that we're going through, this division, division. He knows his time is short. And 
he thinks, you know, at least the Gentile church believes in this stuff that there's, this, it's not about the soon coming kingdom. It's not about the soon coming kingdom. It's about the soon going church. That's what they've been taught. That's what they've been taught. And when it doesn't happen, oh, are they going to be mad. They're going to be looking for their teachers. They're going to be looking for their pastors. I am hurting, and I was not supposed to be here. And what does this say? It talks about, hey, it's circular. We're coming back. This is an invasion. When John the Baptist is saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, He's announcing to the fallen angels who deceived our parents to say, no, man is king and blew up everything. John the Baptist is saying, there's a new sheriff in town and he's right behind me. You know, let's talk about Isaiah, you know, at Christmas time. And you talk about, well, you know, Yeshua shows up with the government on his shoulders, right? You know what that word is? Kingdom. It's a government that's run by a king, not a democratically elected president. Who is king in our life? Okay? But the announcement is men were supposed to run this place. Satan, your days are numbered. That's why he's acting out. That's why you see and hear what you see. He's freaking out. And when we teach stuff like this, which is called the B-I-B-L-E, <laughs> right? He really gets freaked out because he says, oh, what if they believe this authority stuff? And what if they actually obey God? And then the power shows up. What do we do now? Now what? Okay? All right. Praise God. Let's go to the next one. Uh, 2811. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods and the fruit. Is that 2811? It is? Okay. Yep. Okay. And in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, go to the next one. Is it 12? No, I'm sorry. Do 2813. 2813. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. Ooh. And you shall be above only and not be beneath. If you heed the what? There you see, see the connection? You want the power, you got to do the obedience bridge. You got the badge, you got the authority, you want power, you got to do you got to cross that bridge called obedience. Okay? Commandments in. Okay. Now, let's go to the next one. 2815 uh, But it shall come if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, uh-oh, your God, to observe carefully all of these commands. By the way, the first part of Deuteronomy 28 is all the list of the blessings. It's tremendous blessings. I'm not going to go over those, but go over them. That would be your homework. Okay, go read the first verses at starting at 28.1, right? Those are all the blessings if you, if you obey. If you don't, go ahead, 28.15. Then the disobedience brings on what? Go to 2845, please. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, is that 2845? Yeah. 
Moreover, all these curses shall come upon you and pursue you and overtake you. Oh, great. They run. They have legs. Until you are destroyed because you did not, what? Obey the voice of God to keep the commandments and his statutes which he commanded you. Okay? You know what that's called? That's called spiritual physics. You ready for this law of spiritual physics? Cause and effect. Say it again. Cause and effect. You reap what you sow. That law never changes. I asked somebody one time who wrote a book about God, and I said, let me ask you a question. Do you believe the law of grace trumps the law of reaping and sowing? Because it's New Testament. We're talking about Galatians. This is, you know, Paul writing, Rabbi Paul. And the look on his face was like, because it's either yes or no. God doesn't change. Okay? We reap what we sow. Okay. Let's go. Um, Look at uh, Deuteronomy 30, 15 through 20. So I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. Wait a minute. I thought it was about heaven and hell. I thought I was taught as a Gentile, as a Catholic, as a Protestant, it was all about heaven and hell. Where you go? Where? The where is the most important thing. That's not what he's saying through Moses at this time. The real issue is life and death. Life is knowing God relationally, moment by moment. Death is separation from God. What happened to Adam and Eve after they disobeyed? They were what? Separated. They died. Because you have to have the presence in order to be alive. And, and the songs that, that um, April was singing today, Let Us In, said that. Okay? Uh, Deuteronomy 16. I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 30, 16. Is that it? Okay. Now, I can't see this. In the command I give you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments, that you may live. Now, oh, let's go back. That you may what? Go back. That you may, di- that you may die. No, that you may what? Live. That you may live. You see the connection? Obey and live. Hey, did... did um, okay, we can stop with that. You, you guys get to... We're gonna, that goes on and on about Deuteronomy. But actually, let's go, let's go real quick. Deuteronomy 30, 19. The last one. 30, Deuteronomy 30, 19. This pretty much says it. Therefore, what? Choose what? Life. Choose life. Choose life. You choose it. You have the authority to choose. You have free will. He, he, he's not going to mess with your free will. He never will because he's given you authority to run this place, including running your life. Okay? Choose life. That you both and your, that your descendants may live. Okay. Um, is there a New Testament for all this obedience stuff? You know, the connection between obeying God and you live? I mean, come on. That's... That's Tanakhs, that's, you know, that's the Old Testament. Go to Matthew 19, 16 through 17, please. Now behold, one came and said to him, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I have eternal life? So he said to them, why do you call me good? No one's good but one. And that is God. 
But if you want to enter into what? What are the last three words that Jesus tells this guy? What the no, last three words? What, what are they? Keep the commandments. Did Jesus change anything? He didn't change a thing. He's affirming it. He's fulfilling it. He's being honest with us and telling us the truth. What did he say? I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the, what's the third one? Life. Oh, my goodness. It's relational. No one gets to heaven but by me. Does that, is that what he said? Wait, wait, wait. No, wait, wait, wait. I was taught no one gets to heaven but by him. Did he say no one gets to heaven but by him? What did he say? Ah, different goal. It's relational. It's not a place that you get transported to. But everyone thinks heaven, because that's what I was taught. I used, to tr- I used to trick the guys in the jails all that when I was chaplain teaching down George Bailey. And, you know, I was all in Spanish, and I knew these guys were all Catholic, okay? And so I'm reading out of the Catholic Bible, and I'm going, and I said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one gets to heaven but by me. And they all had their Bibles open. Their noses are six inches from the paper. And again, it looked like the Wailing Wall. Yep, that's what it says. And so I would just close my Bible, and I'd just... Go to the back. You ever have teachers that just stop talking and then you're in class like a little kid and you're going, why is the teacher not talking? It makes them really nervous. And they start to shift in their chair. And I just wait for somebody to open up their Bible again. Take about five minutes. Hand goes up. Guy in the back of the room. My Bible doesn't say no one gets to heaven. Well, what does your Bible say? It says no one gets to the Father. It's like, oh. I said, you're an inmate. Let me ask you. Yes, he said, what difference does it make? Big deal. Heaven, Father. I said, would you live your life, Mr. Inmate, any differently when you get out here if the goal is having a relationship with your father again as opposed to just dying and going to a place, getting a ticket, and then just getting out of here? Would you live your life any differently when you get out of here? Because we're trying to reduce the recidivism rate in this jail. We don't want you to come back. And he thought about it, and he goes, about you know, 30 seconds of agonized looks on his face. Yeah, I would live differently. Why? He says, well, if it's dying and going to a place, I just get a ticket and I just wait around. I just sit in the bleachers and I don't have to do anything. Jesus did it all. And it's cool. I don't even have to obey God. But if it's the goal of the Father, I got to come face to face with my daddy. And he's going to ask me for an accounting. An accounting of what I did in my life. And I'll tell you what, you could hear a pin drop in that room. And everybody was doing this. Gulp. You weren't taught the truth. This third move of God, and I told people this. Don't ask me to be part of your third move of God. And I, I've been asked, hey, you want to do this thing and evangelism, going out and jumping up? And I said, what, what gospel are you preaching? Oh, no, I'm serious. I don't want to preach that old stuff because at best it's inaccurate and at worst it's false. And God's restoring, okay, truth because we live by truth. We live, okay, by faith. Okay. Um, one thing, I'll just go real quick. What, is, uh, what does Paul say about, first in, about um, life? 1 Corinthians 7.19. Ah. Rabbi Shaul. 
Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing, but keeping the commandments of God is what matters. I think this is a one new man message to some degree, okay, bringing Jew and Gentile together. You know, let's stop arguing about how many, you know, um, angels can dance on the head of a pin. And, it, it, you know, the main thing is, are, are you hearing from God and you, are you doing it? Are you carrying it out? Okay, so next one. I want to make a connection between, here's the next question. Do you need power in your walk? Well, we'd all have, we have the authority, but would you like to see the power? Well, let's see, see some examples. Let's go to Joshua 3.5. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do what? Okay, among you. All right. Let's go to Joshua 3.6. Then Joshua spoke to the priest, saying, Hey, wouldn't you like to be a Levite? Say, you guys go first. Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. By the way, this is the Jordan River at, at springtime. It's flooding, okay? So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. They obeyed, right? Okay, good. They obeyed. So let's go on to the next one. What's Joshua 3.8 say? You shall command the priests to bear the Ark saying, when you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand next to the Jordan, outside of the Jordan, in the Jordan. Ooh, yeah, but do, Lord, do you know it's flooding right now? Six inches of water can take the feet right out from under you. It's true. Um, well, let's go to the next one. Joshua 3.13. They went in, they obeyed, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, and the waters that come down from upstream, they shall stand in a heap. Okay? That's what happened. They obeyed. Now, it's really easy for the two guys, the two Levites who are in front, <laughs> were way in the back, and they said, okay, you guys, you guys go in first, right? But he was talking about all the Levites carrying that ark were going in. When we obey, can you put the chart up, guys? Please put the chart up. When we obey, when we, we have the authority, when we obey, what flows? What happened to the Jordan? That must have been something to observe. I mean, I can just imagine everyone's mouths agape, just like, what the heck is going on? God, God really means what he says. Okay, let's do another one. Um, how about Jericho? How about, some, how about some commands, and we want to see power. Watch what's happened. Let's go to Joshua 6.3. Joshua 6.3. Now, this had to, I mean, you guys, can you imagine? You have no scaling ladders. You have no battering ram. You have no catapults. 
all right? And you're outside these walls of Jericho, and here's, here's your commands, okay? I mean, it's easy for us to say, but can picture yourself sitting there and listening to this. You shall march around the city, all of the men of war, and you shall go around the city once. And then you shall, for six days, do six days. And then Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priest and said, oh, take, take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven... I can't read this. Priests. Okay, thanks. Bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, proceed and march around the city. He didn't say through. He didn't say over. Okay? And let him who is armed be advanced before the ark of the Lord. Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, "We, you shall not shout or make any noise. This is another command now. Okay? Or any word come out of your mouth until the day that I say to you, shout, and then you shall shout. Okay, and it goes on the second day. They do all that stuff. Go down. Just go to the next one. Go to the next one. Okay, let's go to the seventh time it happened. When the priests blew the trumpet that Joshua said to the people, what did he say? Did he ask God, oh, please, God, help us. Knock this, you know, knock these walls down. What did he say? It's kind of like Lazarus, come forth. What's he saying? Shout. Shout! And the seventh time it happened. You know, there's been some people who have uh, people have excavated around the city of Jericho, and they've looked and they said, you know, some people have said, well, probably what happened was there was an earthquake or something, and then the foundations of the walls, and then it, and then it collapsed. But they said, that's not what we're seeing. We're seeing a compression, like something's pushing from the top down. Now, how big an angel showed up? You guys, they didn't have a battering ram. There were no ladders. How were they supposed to get inside? Can you put the chart up, please? Put the chart up. Ooh, a little chart. Hey, where's the chart? There it is. Hey, chart. Okay. They obeyed everything that they were told. Can you imagine the look on their faces? What? Wow. I don't think, I think probably it just, he just sent one angel. Done. You know, you want to, this is just a little bit of a side note. Oh, gosh, it's almost noon. Okay. I guess we'll continue the next time. Okay. <sighs> okay. Well, cause and effect. I'm going to end with this. Just go to the Pentecost ones, you guys, with uh, Acts chapter 1, uh, verse 4. You got to obey if you want to see the power. If you want to see the power, you got to obey. Okay. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. Stop. What does Jesus say to his apostles? He's commanding them something. What does he say? Don't leave what? Stay in Jerusalem. Right? Well, well you're not telling us. We asked you when the kingdom's coming back, and you're not specific, and you're, and you're saying only the Father knows the actual day, and you're not being precise, and we want to know. 
You know, we're looking at the risen Yeshua, for goodness sake. You know. He doesn't tell him the story. He's going to test him. He's going to, you know, he's going to see if there's any trust there. Okay? And being assembled together with them. Okay, no. Wait. And you'll see the promise which he's, he will send, the spirit he will send, and that you have heard from me. Okay. So, let's go to, have we, have, have we done Acts 2 yet? Acts 2, 1 through 4. Well, oop, oop, oop. when the day of Pentecost had finally come, they were all of one accord. And where were they? They were in one place. And suddenly, so what? They obeyed. They didn't leave town. They didn't say, hey, I'm going and I'll come back later. They waited. They stayed. They obeyed. Now, God didn't say exactly how many days. They just said, okay, he said to stay. We said to wait. Okay, we'll trust. All right? And then there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole room where they were waiting. And there appeared to them, is it say divided tongues as of fire? Okay, and went sat down on each one of them. And they will be filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues. I don't know how many thousands. It was a couple thousand, I think, that got saved that day. 120. No, no, but the, how many got saved after Peter goes 3, up? 000. There you go, 3,000. Okay, well, that's, guess what? That's what we're going to see in this end-time revival. We're going to see this on steroids. The key is we got to do the likeness part, get filled up. Remember what I said? John 17, 3, okay? I and you, Father, you and me, we and them, so that the world may know. You do the likeness part first. That's the vertical. And then he sends you out to do the horizontal so that everybody else can see the power of God. It's not just about the word. It's about the power also. When Jesus gave the word, he followed it with what? With power, with miracles. And we can't be independent contractors, rogues working on our old nature religious self. It ain't gonna work. If you don't have the presence of God, none of this chart stuff makes any difference. Without the presence, forget the ministry. Go home. Just stop it. You're wasting your time. You've got to get the presence of God active and available and there. Okay? Praise God. Happy New Year. So I've been given messages. I've given over a thousand messages here at Tree of Life over the last 20 some odd years. But I know that you come because you need, we all need fresh manna every week. I don't want to recycle a sermon. I want fresh manna. This man has brought us fresh bread. I believe God wants us to wash it down with some mayim chayim, some living water. I'm not going to ask him if he got to sleep after 1.30. Because that's part of the struggle with the scriptures and part of bringing and baking fresh manna every week. So, Father, we thank you tonight, today, Lord God, for this word. We've been washed by the water of the word today, Lord, a lot of word. Lord, there's been some principles here, Lord, that we needed to relearn and relearn and relearn. I thank you for my brother, Lord, how you've literally raised him from, from the dead. Lord, I come against his long-haul symptoms in Yeshua's name. We thank you for the authority, Lord, and the obedience that brings the divine power. 
So, Lord God, as your servant stands before us, and he has given us all authority, O oh God, at the tree of sacrifice. It's the thunder of God, like it was at that Native American event, whatever that was. Father, we thank you that your servants, that your servant is healed by the mighty power of the living God. As they waited that Shavuot day in Acts chapter 2, in Solomon's colonnade, you poured out your Ruach, O God. And Father, as he referred to several times today, Lord, a new awakening in our country. In the world today, Lord, we are ready for it, O God. We've heard from you. We've searched it out. In the last days, you would pour out your spirit, as Joel 2 said, upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters would prophesy. Your young men would dream dreams. Your old men would see visions. And even upon your handmaidens, you would pour out your spirit in those days. Father, we are ready. We are willing. We are able. Make us conduits, O God, of your blessing in our city. And let it begin within ourselves, Lord, that vertical relationship with you, Lord God. Let it, and Lord, let it move out into obedience in our lives. And Lord, may we take it to those in our sphere and into the world, O oh God, a representation of your presence with us. Lord, we pray a blessing over Tree of Life. It's your blessing as we do every service, Lord God, as we close. It's not our blessing, it's yours. And so as Moses told Aaron his sons how to bless the children of Israel, he said, May the Lord bless you and keep you today. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may Adonai lift up his countenance over you and grant you shalom. In the name of the Prince of all, Shalom, Yeshua of Nazareth. And all of us who are with him on the battleship said, Amen. Stand with me if you would today. Let's give God some praise. Thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that you have given us this word today as a sure foundation of our spiritual lives. And we go forth today out of this Shabbat encouraged, empowered in obedience. Amen. Shabbat Shalom, everybody. Thanks for joining us this week. Make sure to visit our website, treeoflifeca.org, and be sure to subscribe to the show in iTunes, Google, Spotify, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you've found value in this show, we'd appreciate a ratings on iTunes, or simply tell a friend about the show that would help us out too. If you like this show, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Tree of Life Messianic Jewish Congregation, to see more content, including our weekly live stream. Be sure to tune in for our next episode as we continue to explore our Jewish roots through scripture.